So hey, this is a special day. As you can see, we uh, set up last minute a service here at our building. Uh, my dad did just talk about it. We're going to be starting construction soon. And so in the future, the space will look different, but this is it. So if you want to take a tour afterwards, you can go up the stairs or right over there to your right. Um, go up the stairs or the elevator. You can go see the upstairs. That's where the kids are going to be. Our offices are going to be. It's going to be a very cool space. The bathrooms are up there as well if you need to use the bathrooms. But uh, we're just really excited for what God's doing. And a uh, great opportunity for us to be in here for the first time. And I believe God is, uh, he wanted us here today. So the crest last minute, we found out we couldn't meet there. Just so you know, we're back at the crest next week. We'll be at the crest up until we build this place out. Um, but I believe God wanted us in old sack for today. And so as you can see, we have a special panel up here um, with me. And uh, we're excited to have this panel with us as we talk about race, reconciliation, unity. As you know, we're in an interesting time in our city. Um, a lot of division, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot, a lot of things happening in our city. And I felt like in this season, um, we would miss an opportunity if we didn't have a conversation. And so I was actually talking to Lauren and Rochelle Dittmore a couple weeks ago about this idea of, man, what if we had a panel? What if we invited community leaders and, uh, and, and different individuals to come and to share with us their perspective as well as their experience? And I think that a lot of people are looking at us today because I've had pastors asking me, friends asking me, um, man, what are you guys doing? What's this going to look like? And so I think this is a great opportunity even for you. After listening today, if you want to share this, it'll be online for us, our podcasts and our YouTube, um, as well as, man, this will help hopefully enable you to better have conversations with the people around us. And I think the goal of today is just understanding. Like we want to understand what other people experience in our country, what other people experience in our city. And really what has caused some of the, the division, the frustration that's going on in our city right now. So as you know, uh, the DA announced uh, her decision on the Stefan Clark verdict to not prosecute against the officers. And this kind of uh, set our city ablaze a bit in, in that, you know, some people were mad, some people were frustrated. Maybe some of you were mad. Maybe some of you were okay with the decision. Maybe some of you didn't know how to feel. And I think for a lot of us in a si situation like this, especially when it comes to race, especially when it comes to uh, policing and, and even police brutality, um, when it comes to the fact that there are different communities that feel that they're, um, they're not served the same way as, as other communities, what I think is that a lot of us don't know how to feel. And so our goal in this is to just help us as Christians to be better equipped to know how to respond, how to think, what to say, and how to react in a season like this in our city. And so I'm really excited um, to have this group of guys with me up here. Um, and so I'm going to introduce them, if that's all right with you. You guys ready to meet them? Yeah. And, uh, and then we're gonna, I'm going to ask some questions, and they're going to share some of their thoughts with you. I think this is going to be really encouraging. We did it in the 930 service. It went amazing. And so I'm really excited to be sharing with you guys today. So they, they gave me their bios, all right? So I'm going to read their bios. And so first we have Lauren Dittmore here. You guys know Lauren. He leads worship for us as well, him and his wife, Rochelle. He is a, of course, committed husband, loving father, a creator, a builder. He served as youth probation chaplain, worship leader, and youth pastor in the local church, as well as mentor to young people in marginalized communities since 1992. 
In 2012, Lauren, along with his wife, Rochelle, co-founded City of Refuge Sacramento in Oak Park out of a passion, out of a passion and a heart to create a place where people could belong, find hope and restoration. So over the past seven years, City of Refuge has served thousands of children, vulnerable youth, provided rehabilitation, housing for exploited women, and is on a mission to rebuild, re rebuild their community in a way that brings people home. So give it up for Lauren Dittmore today. My boy. Next we have, what's your name again? Sergio. I'm joking. Sergio Robles. And we learned his middle name today, Daniel. Uh, so Sergio actually attends our church and is a friend of mine. Sergio is currently a field representative with the House of Representatives and a community organizer in South Sacramento. He's born in Texas, raised in Minnesota, but spent his formative years here in Sacramento. He now calls Sacramento home. He first decided to choose public service during his senior year of high school when he noticed the difference in how the people of South Sacramento were being served. He grew up to believe that America is a land of opportunity. If you work hard, trust in God, you'll reach your full potential. He holds a BA in political science from Cal State University, Northridge, currently attending grad school at McGeorge School of Law. And uh, this guy has a lot of values that he brings, but he also wants you to know he's his opinions today, his thoughts are his own. He's not representing his U.S. Uh, congressman. He's not representing Congress. Just wanted you all to know that today, okay? Representing himself. So give it up for Sergio. Come on, somebody. Next, we have Israel Graham, and uh, Israel is a child of Jamaican immigrants, born and raised in New York City. After traveling around the world in the military service with the United States Navy, during Operation Desert Storm, he docked in Sacramento to pursue his education. He became a police officer with the SAC PD in 2002, where he currently serves as a high, high school criminal justice academy officer. Uh, still connected to his New York roots, he has been a fixture in the Sacramento hip-hop scene for the past 15 years, has received yes. several local and national Gram or awards, and is featured on a Grammy-nominated Christian hip-hop album. He lives in the intersection of being black and blue. Israel's greatest passion is using his dual roles to reconcile others to Christ and each other. So give it up for Israel today. And he, he may throw some bars down for us later, he said. <laughs> and then finally is Anthony Manuel. Anthony is the director of baseball operations for the Jerry Manuel Foundation, which targets young African-American men through baseball. We've partnered, or they've partnered with Alpha Charter and turned it into a school, which is a middle school and high school that he runs. He works for Major League Baseball as a Northwest Regional Coordinator for RBI, or Reviving Baseball in the Inner City, and is involved heavily in MLB's youth development program, which, he, which the initiative is to get more African-American young men back playing the game of baseball. So he travels around the country training hundreds of kids every single year. Give it up for my friend, Anthony Manuel. All right, so that's a, a little intro to these individuals. Um, I did want to recognize we have the Sacramento City Unified District Superintendent here with us. Jorge Aguilar is here. Jorge, would you wave at everybody? So Jorge, thanks for being here today. Glad to have you here, man. And uh, he's friends with the Dittmores and heard about this panel, so we're so glad that you came to hang out with us today. 
So I want to jump in here and want to ask you guys, we're going to throw some questions out and these guys are going to just interact with me and um, share with you their thoughts. So let's start here today, guys. You know, I think that when it comes to the reality that you all are Christ followers and, uh, and you all, you know, understand that part of this, that we have a responsibility as Christ followers first and foremost. So I want to ask you, like, what does it mean to be unified in Christ? Because I think in this time, we want to talk about unity. So what does it mean to be unified in Christ? It's all right, man. You had a better answer than I did. Uh, no, I think, I think uh, being, being unified in Christ really is just understanding we may look different we may have different political views we might have different skin on but we all bleed red and we're all children of God and so um, finding that unity as a child of God first and and then you know as a Christian where our real citizenship is is if I'm a child of God if I'm a believer then that that puts us on a level playing field and we're 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 the same and we can find unity right there exactly what Lauren said and just to Get the, get the backing from the Bible in Galatians 3.28. It says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so I just think it's very important that we keep that perspective as we, as we move to unify. So um, I'm going to infuse a little bit of my experience. Um, when I first started doing hip-hop in the Sacramento area, um, I didn't at first, at first I was kind of uh, worried about letting people know that I was an officer because um, although I was a Christian artist, I didn't perform in churches exclusively. So I've actually performed in a lot of the spaces downtown. So it was very interesting to be in spaces where I've seen people that I contacted on the street. <laughs> and then they're standing right next to me at the bar. So um, if, if any of you know anything about hip hop, hip hop, you know, really dives into cultural issues and things of that nature. So you have people that are very opinionated. And so I remember there was, uh, when I first came out, people said that I was a narc, that I was uh, giving information to the police about the community. And I was like, word, that's crazy. But, um, and I remember there was actually, there's actually a friend of mine, and I'll say his name, his name is Old Ghost. He, he, he actually was a very strong fixture here, very you know, outspoken against systems and racism and things of that nature. And he and I probably just would not see eye to eye on a lot of things. And years later, he calls me one day and he's like, you know, I got to talk to you about something. And I said, what? He said, well, I recently rededicated my life to Christ. And I want to reach out to you because he told me about all these things that were happening behind the scenes that I didn't even know about. The amount of hatred that was directed towards me I never even saw, and he said that he couldn't, he had to reconcile with himself. I know this is what you do, but we're bound by this crimson cord. We're bound by Christ's love, and today we're best friends. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I feel like at the end of the day, there's going to be disagreements. There's going to be different sides of the aisle, but as a Christian in this space, there's got to be a tie that holds us together. So. Yeah. I think that's good, especially given like our political climate even, you know, the last few years, um, I don't know if you know this, but we have a president that's a little polarizing. And, uh, <laughs> and so I think that in the last two years, I've even seen a division happen in the church, like among the body of Christ, where we feel divided uh, because of our political alignment. And I think that, man, 
just like with you and your, your friend, because of your poli- the fact that you're a policeman, um, that has to be the same with us when it comes to even our political alignment. Because look, our church is young, we're diverse. Um, I would say down <laughs> in our church, we're pretty divided politically. You guys just don't know it, you don't talk about it. Um, <laughs> But man, there's something that unifies us and that is that, that scarlet thread, that blood of Christ. And so we have to always come back to like, look, this is what matters. This is where our citizenship lies at the end of the day. I'm affiliated more uh, with my savior than I am with, with my political party, at, you know, above all else. And so we have to remember that because it's really easy to get pulled um, one way or another because we listen to too much news and, and, listen, and too much talk radio. We need to be in the word. We need to be with our brothers and sisters, talking with them. But I'm already talking more than I did in the first panel. Okay, let's keep going. Um, I did want to hear, Anthony, why don't you talk about, you talked about it in the 930 service. Just, I think it's interesting for us to, to hear the experience as an African-American man when it comes to, to police and the fact that You've had experiences that I've never had in my life, and I've done some dumb things too, and I've been pulled over by the police, you know? So talk a little bit about, about experiences, because I think we all need to recognize that there, there is a difference even in, in how we're, we're policed, depending on our skin color at times. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and in my experiences, I, before I say it, I mean, it's just, it's unfortunate um, that the things that, that transpired did um, and I kind of alluded to earlier, you know, I'm not the guy that's it's all bad police, it's all it's all negative, whatever it may be. But these experiences did happen. Um, I was a freshman in college, 18 years old, um, came from Chicago to Sac State on a baseball scholarship. So I, I came to Sac, Sac State. Um, my grandparents uh, at the time and, and still uh, live in, in Roseville and Sun City out there. And it was a Sunday I was going from, um, from, from the campus uh, to visit, visit my grandma. And I was on, I believe it was Sunrise. Um, I was driving a pretty nice, you know, big truck with out-of-state license plate. And um, the, sirens, the sirens go off. I notice them in my, my rear view. Um, I'm, I'm in the left lane. There's also right side going and then there's, there's there's cross traffic coming so you know I know you're supposed to go peel off to the right but at the time there's a bunch of cars so I, I couldn't go so I put my blinker on to go left and so I pulled into um, you know a, sh- a shopping center and by the time I got to the sh- shopping center and parked I remember that there was three cop cars um, and so immediately they're on the bullhorns yelling for me to put my hands up, get out of the car. And everything happened so fast. As soon as I, I, I got out of the vehicle, I was pushed up against the truck and there, was, there, were, there were three guns pointed at my head. Um, and it was three guns inches away from my skull. And at the time I was, I, you know, I, I feared for my life. And um, I mean, obviously, um, I'm 36 years old. I, I, I was I was 18 when that happened. Obviously, I'm here today. But the uh, you know the situation called for. You know, my parents flew from from Chicago to come to speak to the police department. The officer that initially pulled me over was out on vacation or whatever it may be. So, you know, nothing really happened in that in that situation. Um, but the facts are the facts. Um, you know, me being afraid for my life for 
for whatever reason, I think they ended up saying that that I looked like someone that was a suspect or, you know, whatever it may be. And then I found out, that, well, they thought the car was stolen. So there was, there was more than one story. And then there's another instance. I am in Chicago in high school uh, going to Blockbuster to get a, uh, to, to get a rent a movie. Um, I get pulled over. They see uh, baseball bats in the backseat of my car. So they immediately assumed I was a part of one of the Chicago gangs using the bats for you know, whatever a gang member would, I tried to explain to them that I was a baseball player and whatever, but they weren't having it. And uh, like I said, these experiences, uh, they're really, they're just unfortunate that they happen. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we can all recognize, I mean, I, I can recognize that whenever I have been pulled over before, I've never had to think some of the thoughts that that you would maybe think or or that you would, Israel. And so, I mean, talk about, um, your experience as a police officer and, and yet knowing that there still is profiling that happens and, and how do you process that as a black man and yet a police officer at the same time? Um, I don't know if you guys know, but I've been black a lot longer than I've been a cop. So. <laughs> there's, there's some lag. Um, I think... Because of my own personal experiences with police, I mean, I grew up in New York, and then uh, when I first came out to Sacramento, you know, I used to like promote parties and stuff, so I've had some interesting things with cops. And I will say this, interestingly enough, because of my mindset of how I viewed cops, you know, I was the kid in high school that was wearing, you know, all the tribal stuff and the African t-shirts and the all that before it was cool to do it. So this has been my mindset. That was my mindset growing up. So fast forward many years later, when, when I became a police officer, I was very cognizant of my interactions with people. And um, there's a thing now, it's, it's a very popular thing now called procedural justice, where one of the things that they're teaching officers is to give an explanation to the person at the time what actually happened because I've been in that exact situation before where, you know, we get a description of a vehicle, time, place, whatever, and we swoop in, but then it's like, you, you have to be careful as a department. You don't just walk away and leave that, it's, that's not the person, even though we're doing what we feel we have to do to be safe, you don't just walk away from the person leaving them with their experience because mm -hmm. I do that to this young man who's black, he's gonna feel like, well, you only did that to me for this reason. And even if you explain it to him, it's still gonna be that experience. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? But I think, you, I think we bear the, bear the greater burden of that expression because, yeah. our, because of our history. Yeah. So that's, I, I try to be very cognizant and the officers that, that I'm around, you know, um, I do training in our department along that avenue too, so. It's something that's being incorporated in, in our training. It's not in every department, but um, it's, becoming more, it's becoming more accessible to officers. It's good. It's good. Sergio, talk to me about our city. You know, I think that we're experiencing a lot of division right now. Currently feels divided, them against us. Um, how can we as the church and the body of Christ be a conduit of hope and reconciliation in a time like this in our city? little pause again like last time. So I think uh, right now our city is in a, 
in a unique place, right? Um, to quote uh, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez says, you know, we have a vertical connection with God, but we have a horizontal with our community, right? So I think we as a body of Christ need to come together and unite, whether it's an Anglo church, whether it's an Asian church, whether it's an African-American church, we need to come together and truly be um, followers of Christ, truly love, 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 love people and pray for our city. Um, there is division. There is a, it is, it is trying to see, it's starting to seem them against us, but it shouldn't be that way. We as believers of Christ should come together. We as believers of Christ should unite. We might not agree on the politics. We might not agree on the procedures. We might not agree on a lot of issues, but we do agree that God is uh, existing and he, Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and I think that's what we need to start doing. And how do we do that, right? Uh, there's different avenues to get connected. You don't need to necessarily be protesting. If that's not what you like to do, if that's not what you want to do, don't do it. But you can be praying, you can be fasting, you can be praying for, the, for our pastors, you can be praying for the other pastors, you can be praying for our legislators, you can be praying for our, our, our mayors, you can be praying for our city council. You know, um, last week uh, there was an a interview with the mayor, and they asked him, what is it that you want to see? There's one minute left, what is it that you want to see? And he said, I want to see healing in the city. Basically, he's crying out to the church. Let's come up. You know, we, we talk about uh, government being a different sector. No one wants to get involved with church and state, right? But the church isn't being involved by being in the community. It isn't the government's job to do that, right? It's the church to step up and to start helping out and to start helping our youth, to start helping our youth and hold our youth accountable. But at the same time, it's to hold the police officers and hold the elected officials accountable. So it's coming together as the body of Christ and allowing God to help us heal and I think if it, we start here in Sacramento, it's going to be a wave that's going to be from Sacramento all the way to the East Coast. And it's going to be changing, and it's going to transform. And something needs to shift in the atmosphere. And I think right now we're in the position where we can do that, and we can be that change. And we will be that change. That's good. Amen. Amen. I think it also would be helpful, too, um, as a church, if, you know, maybe we got more people of color or different nationalities, you know, on, like, the decision-making team. Or, you know, the group that's, you know, helping with, with things that are happening. Like, for, for example, um, in the fashion world, there was something with um, Gucci. I don't know if you saw they got in trouble because they had the thing come out with, the, with all the, the red lips or whatever it may be. But if there was someone of color in that front office, that would have never happened. And then you have, you know, Burberry with the, uh, comes up with a shirt with a noose around it. And now they're getting sued millions of dollars. But if there were people, a part of the teams... When these things are happening, we wouldn't have these issues. So, you know, maybe, you know, a little bit of, you know, integration on the, in those tables that might help a little bit too. For sure. I think that that's something that I know we have a new police chief in Daniel Hahn. And um, I know that's been a big focus for him is getting more officers of color, you know, into um, the police department. Uh, because it, it is still predominantly, I mean, you can speak to this better, but uh, still predominantly white, he laughs. Um, and so I think that getting, you know, more officers of color is going to help to better police communities um, that are predominantly African-American or Latino or, or, or whatever. And so that goes across all stages, Anthony, as you're talking about, you know, that we need that. We need, and we need it in the church, you know, we need it um, across all boundaries. And I think uh, you talked about it uh, in the 930 just about what Martin Luther King said. Maybe share that. Yeah, um, during, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the turmoil that we've been experiencing as a community, um, I found myself reading, if you, if you haven't read this, go home, Google it, but it's um, Martin Luther King's speech, or, or actually it's a, it's a 
letter that he wrote. It's called Letters from a Birmingham Jail. And um, he talks about, and this is, this is, you know, I'm a white 43-year-old guy. And um, I am, you know, I, I'm confronted with not, not and, and let, me, let me say something. This is not about promoting white guilt, okay? This is not about making you feel bad because of your skin color. But what it is is it's about promoting being able to open up our eyes to something that we may not have seen before. And Martin Luther King talked about, he said, the greatest tragedy to the civil rights movement is not the people with the KKK um, costumes and the, and the, you know, the white robes and the, and the hoods on. It's the white moderate that continues to stay silent. It's the white moderate that, that's afraid to speak up, that's afraid to get into spaces because they, they may not understand it or they don't think that they have, you know, I, I've even had this thought like, well, I don't really have authority to speak into this. I, I don't walk around. I, I wasn't born black. And so I, I may not have anything positive to say, but, but to have the understanding that we as white people have to get into this conversation too and be a part of a, a creative conversation, not a us against them, but a, a place where we can understand and it's about, you know, you said it earlier too, where you, as a pastor, as a white pastor, you, you said some stuff and, and got a little bit of backlash. And, and it was probably from people that look like us because how dare you talk about something that's politically charging. But we've got to be okay with getting into these spaces and having difficult conversations or else we stay divided. We, we don't understand each other. And I think that's, that's really important. 100%. Hold on really quick. Let me give you that exact quote from Martin Luther King he's alluding to. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. It's the exact quote from Martin Luther King. There's a, there's a, you know, we talk about compassion and sensitivity in the church all the time. You know, we talk about love. I know my wife, my wife wrote several articles for Huffington Post in the last couple of years, and one of them was called The Black Girl in the Church Pew, because we were very extremely hurt. Um, because we just felt as though there was some just like a wash, like, oh, you know, we're just going to pray and everything's going to be okay. There was not that feeling like, hey, man, there's people in your service that's hurting. And you may not agree that they have the right to feel hurt, but they're hurting. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and as a church, I think we, we, church, the church, you know, just need to be sensitive, even though we're all in here, we're all following Christ, we're still coming from such diverse backgrounds. You don't know who you're sitting next to in the church. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just don't know where, where they've come from, what hurt they're bringing in. And I think whether it's race or, you know, addictions or sexual abuse, it's the same mission. But I think with race, we get to this thing where it's like, I don't know what it is. When it comes to racial issues, it gets to this thing where some, some people may feel as though, why do you still feel that way? Like, yeah, I don't have to have the right to be hurt. I'm hurt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so as a church, we need to recognize that. Yeah, and if we care about people, right, we should have an empathy when people feel hurt. I mean, that's why the Bible tells us to mourn with those who mourn, weep with those who weep, uh, rejoice with those who rejoice. And I think that uh, we forget about that passage about mourning and weeping with those because we may disagree with whether we think they should be weeping or mourning. And, uh, and I think that that's good that you touched on that because I think in the church, uh, you know, it would have been really easy for, on, for today for me to just get up here and be like, oh, we're still in the Mark series, guys. 
Um, all week I was having anxiety about this panel, like, oh my gosh, like, how many people are we going to upset this Sunday, you know? Um, I could have really easily just been like, well, we're going to continue our Mark series. We're going to just walk, we're walking verse by verse. But I really felt like God was challenging us to, to have a conversation that we haven't had in the church enough. And I really felt like God was saying, Isaiah 61, 4, they, re- they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the, ru- the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And I think that as the church, we can be a rebuilder of walls, cities. Um, there's been a, a generations of divide among even races in our country. And I think if the church invades this space, there can be healing. Are we going to be perfect? No. Is it, is it ever going to be the way God wants it to be? No, not until he returns. But we can bring heaven to earth right now. And uh, we can do that in our city. So why don't you guys talk about, like, what are you hopeful about? You know, I know right now we're in this city and it feels like, man, uh, it's so negative and it's so polarizing and there's so much division and hate and, and anger and frustration. Like, what are you guys excited? Like, what are you positive about? What are you celebrating? Um, I celebrate opportunities like this. Um, so this morning, you know, after I was asked to come, you know, like this morning, I was leaving the gym and I was just kind of praying like, Lord, like what, what am I supposed to say? But he just gave me something that's just from my inside me. It's just that um, opinions will never change somebody's experience. But your experience can definitely change your opinion. That's right. So we could spit facts and we can spit statistics at people, but at the end of the day, that's not going to make him feel better about his situation that he experienced. Mm -hmm. And these spaces, I mean, when you come to church, I mean, even being saved, when you come to church, you're in a room full of hundreds of people. Some churches, it's thousands of people. But that's not what changes you. It's a personal experience that you find with our Savior. So, like, for me, the reason why I chose to be in the schools is because it gives me an opportunity to have personal, one-on-one experiences with students. The reason I still do hip-hop, even though I'm old, is because... <laughs> Not old yet. You ain't old yet. It, it gives me an opportunity to have experiences. I know for me, like, one thing that I wish would be incorporated in our schools is I would love for every student in every school from middle school on to have classes about interactions with law enforcement. And not just a do this, do that, but really giving them an, uh, 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 an understanding of what happens and bringing officers in, you know, because I've, some of the things that we've actually done were really good because I turned up on, on calls. I've turned up on a call after being at American Legion doing an, a human trafficking event. And we rolled up on this call, and the dudes were just, they were turned up in the, in the parking lot. As soon as we pulled up, they were ready. Dudes were, you know, running out. And this kid comes walking out behind. He's like, oh, hey, that's Officer Graham. He came to my school last week. And it was like, wow. oh, yeah, come in, man. The dude's not here, man. He left. Go ahead and look. But before that, it was, they were ready. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was crazy. So that's cool. experiences matter, and officers need to you know, as many interactions and and not get uh, overwhelmed by the numbers. Mm. 
Because I think we have this thing in our society nowadays, it's like, oh, one post is gonna change somebody's opinion. That has never happened. <laughs> or this church service is gonna change, you know, you know, there's not gonna be any more protests, that ain't gonna happen. But we have to be in, um, in love enough with people, with God's people to have these experiences. Yeah, you know. And, you know, and that's awesome. And for me, I'm, I'm excited because I think this is the beginning of growth for Sacramento. You know, with all these different things happening, it's just an opportunity for us to unify and to come together. And that's a beautiful thing for me because I know times of trial and, and difficult times, all those things do personally, you know, is build character and strength. And now as it happens over a community, I know that, that we're getting ready to unify. And um, I think one of the questions you asked me a couple days ago was just kind of like, biblically, how can I explain, you know, where we're at as a people? And, you know, the word I would use was broken. And the scripture that I got uh, to go with that is uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, beloved friends, be cheerful. Repair whatever is broken among you. As your hearts are being knit together in perfect unity, live continually in peace, and God, the source of love, will mingle with you. So that's the scripture that I, I stand on right now that excites yeah. me about where we are today. The brokenness is a, is a beautiful thing because it's bringing us together in unity. Love it. Amen. I, I love... Is uh, it... Um, oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I just want to share this one scripture because this was the scripture that I cling to when I became an officer. And um, it's Matthew 10, 16. It says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. And so I would say, if you are just in this space where you're never amongst any wolves, you're never amongst anybody that's different than you, then that's telling me you haven't been sent yet. So if you haven't been sent yet, you need to get in a space where God can shape you and use you and send you somewhere. Because if you're not amongst the wolves, then where are you at? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's good. What else are you two excited about, Sergio? So I think Sacramento's in a unique place right now. Um, and I think that if we as a community and as a church can come together with different churches, I mean, we're in Midtown. We're, we're an old sack. How about we go and help plant trees in South Sac? Or how about we go to North, North Highlands? Or how about we go to different areas that we've never actually been to, right? Um, we're able to create a dialogue. We're able to be amongst different people who don't look like us, who, who we don't speak to on the regular. We're able to create that impact. Um, and I think that that's where we should be challenged. And I, I'm going to challenge the church. You know, step out of your comfort zone. Step out of, uh, of, of who you are and go to different places. Um, like I said, you don't necessarily need to protest, but you can be there for your brother. You can pray for them. You can, you can go to another church and talk to another pastor and be like, hey, uh, this is what my friend's going through. You know, be there for them. Uh, and, I, and I believe it wholeheartedly that if it starts here in Sacramento, it will go across the whole nation. And I believe that if it starts here in Sacramento, because everything happens in California, and then it goes all the way around to the East Coast. And if it starts here, we will find a, a state, a, a city, and a nation that will be saved. I, I truly strongly believe that. So I'm challenging you guys to, 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 to pour out love, to be in the community, and to engage in it, uh, and just to let God just, you know, let you uh, do what you're going to do there. So. I think, like, uh, when you have pain, any, any old people in the 
building. Anybody having pain in your in your body? Pain, pain is a. Uh, it's like a light that goes on that says, "Hey, something's wrong." And until we have situations like this that erupt that cause us to look under the surface. We keep going on as usual, and we separate into our comfort. We separate into whatever we are used to, and it's situations like this that erupt that cause us to go, hey, what's wrong? We got to have conversations, and, and I, what I love that's, that's the hope that you, you asked about is that there is, I really feel like there is a birth pain happening of something that God wants to do in our city, in our people. There are systemic, there is systemic racism. There is things that that happens. There are structures that need to be torn down that that have you know that have been unchecked. But we're in a place where we have to look under the hood and go, hey, the warning light's going on. The the pain's showing that something's there. And I just you know I can't I can't help but challenge you know, some of our folks here that you might look like me. And, and you know, I want to challenge you to get outside of your bubble, get outside of your comfort and, and to really like, like it, it, it's not go find your one black friend. Let me just like, that's, that's not what it is. Okay. I, I just be real. Okay. Like, but what it is, what it is saying is that we cannot continue to put our head in the sand and say nothing's wrong. We can't, we can't sit by idle because it doesn't affect us, because it doesn't affect the, the world that we live in. And one of the things that I just, I love that SAC PD, and this isn't just a plug for Chief Han, but um, one of the things, we work in Oak Park, and one of the cool things that, that they've begun to institute with all the new cadets and all the new officers that are being put on patrol, because you can't, you know, there's a lot of officers, you know, that have been there for a long time, but the way that you shape culture and change culture is by beginning to start with something new and they've got new officers they've got this program called um, walk in my shoes and one of the mandates is is that if you've been put on the patrol that you have to go serve and go um, be with community-based organizations in North Highlands in Meadowview in Oak Park in South Sacramento and you have to go ask questions you have to go be around people we have 20 police officers that are at our Oak Park Peace Walk every single Friday because they're trying to shift culture and they realize that they have to do that and they're starting with the young officers that are coming up because I guess we don't carry, well, we, like I'm young, uh, but they don't carry as much baggage into and they haven't been as jaded and they're, they're, they're beginning to shift culture. And so that's one of the hopeful things that's going on. And we, you know, there, there's some exciting things and we've just got to lean in and have these conversations like this. So I would say I'm excited just to see what's happening in Sacramento because I know you're seeing what the news is showing us and they, they want to show us all the, the negativity and spin it in a negative way, and obviously there is some happening and there's some division, and um, I don't think the protests are a negative thing. I don't think the marches are a negative thing. I think it's people voicing their, um, their pain in a peaceful way, and so I celebrate that. But I think that um, just yesterday, they had a prayer in front of the Capitol. It was churches, community leaders, all different races. Um, I got to be in a room that Lauren invited me to couple weeks ago talking about these marches that were coming up. It was the mayor. It was Chief Han. It was community leaders of all different races. And so what I'm seeing is a unifying moment for our city. And I think that if we as a church step up and into this space and we don't go, oh, politics isn't for us. No, no. This isn't about politics. This is about 
of justice, mercy, um, and loving these things, and that the church is called to be that, to be a, a place of justice, a place of mercy. And so we need to invade these kind of spaces. We need to speak into these spaces. So I'm most excited to see the church coming together, um, see community leaders coming together. I'm being invited in rooms I've never been invited in in my life. And, uh, and I'm excited to be able to be there and not always to speak, but often to listen. And then to say, simply, this is what it is. The church is with you. Like, I just, we just want you to know, like, we're behind you, we're praying for you, we're with you, we'll walk with you. Um, we want to see unity built. We want to see health and wholeness in our city. We want to see the underprivileged communities, um, underserved communities actually served better. And uh, we're pro-life, and we're, which means we're pro-all lives, not just babies in the womb, right? Because that's what the evangelical church has been known for. Like, we're pro-life. But what about the lives that, that are living right now? We're pro-life all across the world, but we're also pro-police, right? Um, we believe in policing. The, the communities want the police in their communities because there are communities that aren't policed, and, and we know how that ends up. And so I'm excited to see what God is doing. I think this is a unifying moment for our city. I think God's going to do something special. Can you stand to your feet with us, church? Here's what we're going to do. In... With the image of unity, um, I want you guys to grab hands. And we had a panel of men today, and so my wife told me that Renette Manuel needs to come close us in prayer today. Because we need a powerful woman of God to close us in prayer. So my wife just texted me and said, have Renette close us in prayer. So I do what my wife says, y'all. So Renette, would you close us in prayer? Just pray over our church and over this. What an honor. This is Anthony's mom, by the way. (laughs) Father God, I'm just so first grateful. Yes, Lord. That I can call you Abba, Father, Daddy, God. Yes, Lord. God, I am so grateful for this house, Lord God, for the man of this house that has a heart after you, Father God. I thank you, Father God, for the spirit of unity that I see has come. Open heavens have come, and you are moving, Holy Spirit. You're moving in this place. You're moving in our city. You're moving in our nation, God. We just pray as your children, Father God, that we are totally submitted to you, that we can be your hands, your feet, your mouthpiece, Lord God, to a people that are hurting, Father God. We're asking for healing to come, for unity to come, Father God. Let the church be an example of what that's to look like in the name of Jesus. God, your son said, make us one. He's speaking of the disciples as the believers. Make us one, God. Make us one as Jesus and his Father is one. So I decree and declare today that the body of Christ become one. That God can do what only he could do. God, and I thank you that you will be lifted up. You will be glorified in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.